What's going on, champ? How you doing, man, my friend? Where, my, where you calling from? Listen, where you call me from, I have to clear the air with you. Are you ducking me? You were in New York two weeks ago. You were supposed to do this live. I don't know what happened. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Who is this? Uh, you're not like an, an ex-lover, are you? <laughs> I'm a jilted <laughs> online girl wondering why you ditched me. <laughs> I'm roughing your chops, man. Um, I know, I know. I, uh, for the, uh, you know, I mean, we were really, really busy in New York, man. It was like an epic uh, couple of days and... I didn't mean to, like, you know, blow you off, but, like, you know, we're talking now, so hopefully this makes up for it. It does. Yeah, you, you were doing some cool stuff here in New York. What were you doing at Gleason's gym? I was um, training, like, you know, a few people, uh, like a mini seminar about how, in, how not to get hit in the face and, like, you know, <laughs> I'm not to respond to it. <laughs> but those guys were really, really sweet to me down there at Gleason's, man. Bruce Simpson was really sweet, and the staff was really, like, they were gems, so, like, you know. A shout-out to the boys and girls at Gleason's Gym. How crazy is it that you haven't wore the, wore the belt for 25 years or so and you're still referred to as the champ? Does that blow your mind? You know what, honestly, um, I mean, you, well, wow. I have, like, a whole different, you know, perspective about, like, you know, that term. But, you know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, I take it as a, uh, a term of endearment, you know what I mean? And, and I call people champs, so, like, you know, it, it's, uh, it's, uh, it works both ways. I appreciate it, but, like, you know, it's not like, you know, a, a, a one-way one thing. You know, I call people champ before they call me champ, so, like, you know, but I appreciate that. You were back, in your, old, you were back in your old stomping grounds. I know you're a Queens guy. You were here for the Crawford yeah. Con fight. I know you're a fancy L.A. dude now, but when you're back in New York, what's your first go-to meal? What's the one <laughs> – hey, listen, listen. What's the one meal L.A. can't do that New York does? You come home, boom, what's the first meal? Well, I'm actually like, you know, I'm staying in Atlanta because I have family here. Uh, my mom is here. Like, you know, and as you know, my mom and dad are Jamaican. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I miss the most about, uh, like, you know, being back in Queens, probably my mother and father's cooking. Now, like, you know, my dad, like, you know, although he's a complicated cat, as you probably know, mm-hmm. my father is super complicated. As, as, you know, as we all are, but he's a fantastic cook. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> And my mom can, like, you know, can cook her behind off as well. So, you know, <laughs> to answer your question, my friend, uh, what do I miss most about Queens? Are uh, my friends. You know, because I, like, you know, I had a, 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 a fantastic childhood with these guys who were, like, you know, they were baseball fans. And I was, a, like, a baseball nut. We were, like, all Yankee uh, fanatics. Oh, and, uh, really? You're still a Yankee fan? Yo, yeah. Yeah, I was a New York Yankees, like, fanatic, man. Who's your guy? Yep. So where are you from? Are you from New York? New York, born and born and born and raised in my house. I have one piece of memorabilia, and that's two seats from the old Yankee Stadium. So I'm the biggest Yankee fan too, my are friend. You yeah, man, of course, biggest Yankee fan in the world, man. Holy crap! So like, you know, I think you're a Yankee fan. The biggest in the world, man. They, I live and die. Put it this way: my first wife left me. Ten years ago, and I swear, champ, it was a, a lot because of the Yankees. I'm not lying to you. She said to me, "You know I, why I'm laughing? No, no, no. You know why I'm laughing? Why? Why? Myself and like you know, my first wife was like you know was not a Yankees fan, thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> you know what that means? But but do but champ, that's what it was. She's like, I can't take the up and down. Like it's either the Yankees or me. And I'm like, I'm not Are choosing. Yeah, I'm like, I'm not choosing them. But I'm like. I can't control a game in October. If it's if it's them or you, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Mariano Rivera on the hill, man. Nah, B, like you know, but like you know, 
I clearly, you know why it's misunderstood from now, like, you know, or the Yankee, like, you know, what do you call it, edicts and whatnot. Yeah, the code, the code of being a Yankee, Yankee fan. <laughs> exactly. If you marry a Yankee fan, man or woman, that is stenciled on their heart, not your wife or husband, but New York Yankees is stenciled on your heart. <laughs> they don't understand that and accept it. It's not like, you know, well, you know, divorce court or something like that, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. Hey, hey, I mean, it sucks, but like, you know, that's reality, man. Yeah, what are you going to do? Hey, I, I want to tell you, this is ironic, yeah. too. I was on a plane two and a half weeks ago coming home from vacation. You know, I yeah. downloaded, I travel a ton. I downloaded a bunch of movies, and two of the things I downloaded, and this is the truth, was Ali, I'd never seen it before, and Losers. A few days later, you randomly start following me on Twitter. How did Twitter follow happen? Because once I saw you, I'm like, holy shit, he's following me? I just watched two of his films. How'd that happen? Well, I have a great team. Mm-hmm. You know, not that I'm like, you know, so important. You know what I'm saying? I have like, you know, this great team of people. <laughs> like, uh, I have a great, like, you know, a small team of people, man, like, you know, who, who facilitate and uh, run my media. Mm-hmm. And those guys are like great people. So if they plug you in and they contact you, contact you, like, you know, obviously they think or they thought that you were somebody like, you know, of, of, of substance we could... Sh- we should talk to. And we can, have some, we can have some fun. Yeah, yeah, there it is. Mike, I got to ask you. The Netflix smash hit Losers. I saw your episode. Obviously, like everyone else, yeah. I loved it. And this might sound like, I don't know, I don't want to sound corny or silly, but how do they sell that to you? Like, hey, Mike, we're going to do a docuseries on you. It's called Losers. Isn't that like kind of like, okay, really? You know what? I've always been the kind of guy who goes against the grain. You okay. Know, like, you know, after... After my boxing career, like, you know, I started, I, I've been acting my place for, like, the last, last 25 years now. Like, you know, it's like, you know, so, so, in that world, you see things, like, you know, opposite of what they are, like, you know, quote-unquote society. And when the people, like, you know, pitched me the, uh, the uh, docu-series and says, like, you know, oh, by the way, Mike, you know, the name of it is, uh, is Losers. I'm like, that's it. Keep it. That's wow. It, I have wow. no problem with that. You know why? Because to experience, like, you know, a great triumph, one has to experience great loss or great defeat. And I've experienced that. Wow, that's, that's a you know, so, great way to so, say yeah. yeah. You know, like, you know, at least, like, you know, in my mind, that's how I processed it. You know, it's not, it's not derogatory, whatever the term. Uh, yeah, and it wasn't condescending, uh, making fun of you. It's, you know, because you reached no, the highest peak. Yeah. What uh, can you give everyone listening a summary of what your episode is about? From my POV, it delves into uh, a fighter who never wanted to fight, but was forced into fighting by his dad as a youngster. He quits uh, at the age of ten, and he gets uh, a major whipping from his father uh, for not wanting to fight. And at the age of fourteen, he he goes back into the sport, not on like you know, not because of his father's influence, but. He, because, like, you know, he wanted to prove something to himself and his, his first mentor. Does that make sense? It does. That- and you know what? Your episode focuses okay. so much on your relationship with your father. You're a father now. Yeah. How did it change or mold you? Like, for example, Mike, my father had a horrible father. So he made sure he wouldn't do things that his dad did. Is that a similar mindset mm-hmm. with you? Like, it always gives you, like, you went through a lot of stuff, but it helps you now in your life? Absolutely. Uh, I think I would think that relationship or outlook on how to be a father resembles the way that your father raised you. Because 
uh, you know, when we go through those, those times, our, our parents, uh, you know, can have these horrible childhoods and, like, you know, that's all they know. Or sometimes, like, you know, it's not even that's all they know. Sometimes they're afraid, like, you know, to go outside of what they know. And I get it, you know. And when I um, started um, acting and, like, you know, exploring myself, like, you know, when you're, when, you know, when you're an actor, man, I think everyone should take an acting class at some point in their life because mm-hmm. it teaches you how to deal with, like, you know, with, with, with issues and how to have empathy. And I decided when I had a child, he was born in 2005, I decided there was no way in the world that I was going to have the kind of relationship with my son that I have with my father. Yeah. Like you know, you know, when I was growing up, man, I could, I could sense, like, I could walk into a room and I could sense, like, you know, my father's, my father's uh, contempt for me. Oh my. You know, I mean, he had like massive contempt for me, like, you know, and I never, I never knew why. But like, you know, a couple of years ago, I found out, like, you know, that my mom, like, you know, named me after my my father's father, Michael Bent, mm-hmm. right? And I found out that my father hated, you know, his father, my grandfather, you know, and like, you know, so you know, my father was like a woman a womanizer back in England, blah blah blah, and and uh, like, you know, when I was born, he wasn't there, and to spite my father, my mom named me Michael Bent. Oh, wow, the man that exactly, exactly, you're laughing, but, but you're laughing, you, you <laughs> exactly. know, Mike, but it, I'm like. I, I'm sorry. You know, it takes the one man to break the mold, and that's the issue with so many families of like abusive children and stuff. Like, it needs that one man right. to truly that's become right. a man and break the mold, and then from there, like, yeah. I would never abuse mold, and then that's how you obviously break the cycle. So it seems like you're a sports exactly. guy. It seems like you're a sports guy. Was there a yeah. better sports moment than Tiger Woods uh, hugging his dad and then bear hugging his son a few weeks ago at the Masters? That was yeah. I actually saw that. That was that was um that was beyond epic, man. That mm-hmm. was uh that must have been very gratifying and like, you know and for the whole like, you know, well for a better part, for a whole world world to see that, I mean that just like you know, that just speaks to minds about like, you know, what the what kind of impact uh sports can have on us, man. You know? And they Tiger like you know, gave his son that because like, you know, uh maybe he didn't quite get that from his father. Mm-hmm. That's great. You know, oh, no, no, that was a fantastic moment. It, it was like, you know, it was sweet. It was, like, you know, it was human, you know, because most men, like, you know, in, like, you know, in, that, in that spotlight, like, you know, we were, like, you know, we over-masquerade over ourselves, man. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't, like, you know, show emotion. No, yes, we can. We should, we should show emotion. If I love you, I'm going to tell you I love you. I'm going to kiss you and tell you I love you. And Mike, you want to know why? That's wrong with that. You nailed it because I'll tell you this: it it is hard for two dudes to be like, like even call your dad or your grandfather and say something. But that's why sports, to me, is the greatest because you can be like, "Hey, Dad, throw on Tiger Woods." You can watch it on the phone together, and it's still there. It's not that's like right. calling like, "Hey, I miss you." It's like, "Hey, put that on." How great! Like, and it gives you that connection. That's why sports is the greatest equalizer, isn't it? I, I, I think so. I think so. I can remember like you know, when I was like maybe like nine or ten years old. And it was 1976, and the Yankees, like, you know, won their first pennant in, like, 12 years. Chris Chambers hit the home run mm-hmm. of a Paul off for the KC Royals. And, like, you know, me and my dad, like, you know, I mean, we didn't hug, but, like, you know, we had this, this moment, man, because he was a big Yankees fan, too. 
So we had this moment like, like, holy shit. <laughs> he gets it. He sees me. But like, you know, the next morning, like, you know, it was like, you know, Mike, get, like, get up. Go running. I'm like, dude, I don't go running. <laughs> you go running. I mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't say that. I was thinking that, but like, you know, I would never say that. Hey, y- y- your yeah. episode focuses a lot about your relationship with your father, obviously. And it's an yeah. emotional roller coaster. And I'm watching it before I knew your whole story. I'm saying this dude's going to stay so far away from boxing when he's done with it. And yet you're still a fan, still involved. Regardless of the up and downs, how you didn't like it, why are you still involved in it? <laughs> I mean, involved. I mean, how am I involved? Like, I mean, I write about boxing. Yeah, I know. I know you're I mean, you're a fan it, of it. Yeah. Well, like you know, I think I think I've learned to have an appreciation for like you know what the boxer goes through mm-hmm. because most boxers, most great boxers, I'm not I'm not saying I'm great by uh, any stretch of the imagination, but like you know, most boxers who are who are who are above competence, put it that way. Um, they've experienced like you know massive bouts of, of victimization or uh, uh, or uh, deprivation, mm-hmm. and I've experienced both. And like you know, if you if you were to sit any like good like well accomplished monster down and say like you know what happened in your childhood to why like you know that was a driving force behind your career, they would say you know what I had conflicts with blah blah blah, and more than likely it's conflicts with dad. Wow, that, that that's really that's Ray Mancini, yeah. That oh, Roy Jones, Boom Boom comes on here all the time, Mike. I'm sorry. I said Boom Boom comes on the show all the time. No, are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boom Boom's on here a lot. No, come on, stop it! No, I, no, you no. Dude, I, I Mike, I swear, and, and really? I, yeah, he was just on uh, maybe two weeks ago. Boom Boom came on. We, okay. we caught up. No, dude, I've met Boom Boom uh, a couple of times. He's a sweet dude, man. He's a great dude. Sweet dude. Hey, I want to yep, talk. Exactly. I want. I want to talk about your life in Hollywood in a minute, but I got to talk about your boxing career because besides your pro career, I researched you. Yep. You're one of the most decorated, impressive amateur fighters of all time. I just wrote down over 200 fights, four Golden Gloves, five U.S. amateur titles, Empire State gold medal. I can go on and on. You owned New York City boxing back in the day, right? Oh, yeah. I did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for not being yeah, not down. I, I hate when people downplay it. Thank you for not downplaying it. No. When, when like, you know, I say that uh, I never won the box. Mm-hmm. Like, I never won the box. Like, you know, if I was going to, I'm going to do it on my terms. You know, like, you know, I never liked the idea of, like, you know, of my father having this, like, you know, having this unwritten rule. Look, if you, if you box, I will love you. If you don't, I won't. Like, you know, and that was clear to me, you know, although, like, you know, it wasn't written, like, you know, on the wall, that was clear to me, like, you know, and I never, like, you know, got that, man. I mean, I get it now, but, like, you know, I never embraced that. And the only reason why I started boxing and the only reason why I was so good at it, like, you know, as an amateur was because, like, you know, if me and my father, like, you know, always had, I had confidence with my father since the day I was born. Mm-hmm. I believe that. hmm you know, based on my circumstances, based on the circumstances, like, you know, of, of he and my mother. Look, like, you know, I mean, that's not my business, but, like, you know, it's my business, right? Of course, it's mine. And, you know, I always thought this, 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 this sandpaper with, like, you know, my father, the thing with my father was, like, it was like you're taking a piece of sandpaper and you're rubbing your fingers with it. You know, Oof. it was that, like, you know, it was that fabric. Does Oof. that make sense? Of course. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know, and like, you know, nothing was going to change, nothing was going to ever change that because it, whether if I want to fight or, 
a lost to fight was always that that element of of resentment that my father had for me. And for years, like, you know, I couldn't figure out why, man. Like, you know, but I decided that, like, you know, well, I didn't decide, just kind of like, you know, blossomed that if I was a good amateur boxer, I would be able to get out of, out of my house. And I became, like, you know, a part of the uh, USA boxing team in, like, 1980, the summer of, uh, or the winter of 1983. I got this letter from uh, Pat Nappy, who was then the coach of the uh, USA boxing team, and it came from the the, the uh, letter came from Colorado Springs, which is like the you know the main base of the uh, USA boxing team. It said like you know Michael Ben, you are selected to uh, accompany the USA boxing team to a trip over to Sweden, Germany, and Dem- and Denmark. I went to my father. I said, Dad, check this out. I got this letter from USA boxing team, and I made the team. And the one take me on this international trip, he said, Done, do it. And I dropped out of school. Wow. And I was in the 11th grade, and, like, you know, there was nothing, like, you know, um, I'm not, like, you know, disparaging the schools or, like, you know, education. I received an education for, like, four years traveling to different cultures, blah, 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 that I received the, the kind of education that you can't get at Harvard in those four years, just by traveling and interacting with and interacting with different uh, cultures and, 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 and learning about things and, like, learning what to do, what not to do. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, you learned real life. That's what you learned. Exactly. That's right. Exactly. That's it. That's it. You you you, me- know. you mentioned um, winning or losing, there was still conflict with your dad. You turn pro and you lose your first fight. How demoralizing was yeah. that? How demoralizing was it? Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Mike, I'll t- can I tell you why? Because because I had James. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I had, I'm laughing now, but like uh, no, of so course. I, <laughs> I can laugh now, but like you know, no, no, no. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, because I had James Bone Crusher Smith on maybe two months ago, and the exact same yeah. thing happened to him. He lost his first fight on ESPN, and he too went on to win the heavyweight championship. That's why I wanted to see how was your mindset after that first loss. The difference between me and Bone Bone Crusher Smith, though, like you know, Bone Crusher Smith wasn't like you know. A uh, uh, an elite amateur boxer who was like slated to be like you know 1988 Olympic gold medalist winner. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Bone Crusher, like you know, had a limited amateur career. I'm not like you know like sh- uh, um, like you know. Oh no, of course not. Of course not. Him, but like you know, right, you know, but like just like you know, trying to paint the picture here. Like you know, when I lost on ESPN, I was I was Emmanuel Stewart had signed me to this contract. He gave me a nice signing bonus, and you know I was. Slated as being like, you know, the next champion or the only person who is able to beat Mike Tyson, right? And I'm like, you know, I'm thinking to myself, yo, Emmanuel, check this out. That's too much pressure, dude. Man, <laughs> slow down with that. Like, he would say that, mm-hmm. you know, like to like, you know, people like, you know, in the industry. But for my uh, first fight against Jerry Jones, I get stopped in the first round. And uh, I don't know if you've ever, well, well, no, well, like, you know, I mean, you go through stuff in life, right? So, like, you know, a separation or a divorce, it's not nice, mm-hmm. you know, because, like, you know, you're judging yourself. And you feel like, you know, like, you know, it's like you're a loser, like, like, you know, you're not worth anything. Now, just like, you know, multiply, multiply that by 85 trillion million, and you get knocked out in the first round, and you're, like, you know, of the stature that I was as an amateur turning pro. You know, talk about Ledu. Like you know, I had I had thoughts of like you know doing things to myself that you know I don't want to share with you now. But like you know, 
It was a really ugly, mm-hmm. dark moment in my life. It was like, you know, Edgar Allan Poe, like, you know, times 85,000, man. It wasn't nice. Oh, my God. Now, now Emmanuel like, Stewart... You know, as, as, yeah. as, I'm sorry, like, you know, but uh, not to cut you off, but, like, you know, as, as a result, you know, I'll admit to it. You know, I took to uh, engaging in, in, uh, in behavior that wasn't very responsible. Uh-huh. You know, I wasn't, like, you know, going out, like, you know, robbing banks. No. <laughs> you know, but I was, like, you know, like, drinking and, like, you know, driving. It's, it's, it's amazing I'm not locked up for, like, you know, like, you know, um, what's that? Sobriety, driving, Yeah, like, blah, D- blah, blah, D- DWI. It, you weren't being a bad person. It seems like you were just being reckless because you didn't care at that point. You were kind of, like, close to rock bottom, exactly. am I right? Or Yeah, no, completely. You get it, yeah. I was, I was reckless because, like, you know, I didn't care. No, no, Mike, and, and uh, like you know, you know, a little bit of that, like you know, a little part of not caring was like you know, I was trying to hurt myself. Yeah. You you, you want know? you wanted an out. That's what you wanted. It seemed. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You get it. That's it. Now you were with Emmanuel Stewart for the first fight. I know you you had a long gap, like a year or so, till your next fight. What was he telling you? Was he saying, "Listen, get back in the ring," or how was Emmanuel to you? You know what. Emmanuel was real sweet about it. After the fight, I remember going back to a Detroit. Uh, I had I was living in one of Emmanuel's homes on this block in Detroit. On this block in Detroit, and I was living like you know right next door to him. So I would like you know go over to his house every morning, like you know meet breakfast with his family. But like after I lost, I didn't come out of my room for maybe like a week or two weeks. It was like you know I was just like you know I was I was. I, I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. Mm-hmm. I was humiliated. I was I was uh, depressed. One day I get a knock on my door, and it's you know the fighter uh, Gerald McCallum. Okay. McCallum. I I don't. Remember him? No. Yeah, well, like, uh, he's he's a fighter that got uh, stopped by uh, um, Nigel Ben. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yes. And, yes. Yes. Uh, I do. I do. I do. Yeah. 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 So he was like you know uh, I knew. Girl from back in the days in the amateurs, and Emmanuel had to sign him, like, you know, to, to a pro contract as well. And he knocked on my door one day, man, and said, Mike, come on, let's go for a ride, man. And because, like, you know, Peter, I was, like, you know, in, in, like, in the depths. We went out driving a little bit, man. And the next day, I, I told Emmanuel, hey, Emmanuel, I want to go back to um, New York to visit my mom for Easter, and I'll come back. Okay. And like I, I had every intention of coming back, but like you know, I never did. That uh, that period uh, where I was in, in isolation was uh, like 22 months. So I was like, uh, I got a job. I got a job as a at a hospital, Royal Jewish Hospital, in I think it's in Bayshore. Is it Bayshore? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe Flushing. Yeah. Okay. That, that's a Flushing, right? Yeah, I think it's Bayshore. It's in Queens. You staying? You staying close to home? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I'm there for like maybe like seven, eight, nine months, and you know, I just had this, you know, I just look, I don't belong here. You know, I had that feeling I don't belong here. Mm-hmm. And one day I had, I got a phone call from my, uh, from one of my uh, amateur boxing uh, um, uh, sponsors, Paul Fucolaro, and Paul called me up and said, Mike, there's uh, an opportunity for you to like, you know, to uh, go down to a Tampa, Florida, or Clearwater, Florida, and spar with the number five heavyweight contender. Gary Mason, and I'm like, no, you know, I wasn't ready for that. You know, I, I was, I was like, you know, I was, I was afraid of being exposed. Wow. Okay. So he called back again, says Mike, like, you know, we had, we still had this opportunity, like, what do you want to do? And after about the third call, I said, Paul, like, you know, let's do it. So 
They made their arrangements, and I fly out to Clearwater, and I'm sparring with this guy, Gary Mason, who's number five ranked heavyweight contender in the world. And, like, you know, I'm not saying it to, like, you know, disparage uh, Gary, but, like, you know, he's, like, he passed away a couple of years ago, but, like, you know, but, like, you know, I held my own, I held my own with Gary, more than that, right? To the point where one day we're at breakfast, and I asked Gary, I said, Gary, let me ask you a question, bro. I said, when we spar, are you taking it easy on me? I mean, like, he bust out laughing. He had this, like, big, like, you know, like, massive, like, great laugh, man. He said, no, no, of course not. I'm like, oh, shit. I think, you know, I, you know, I, you know, so, like, you know, so, so, like, you know, I mean, and, like, you know, I mean, indirectly, he, he gave me gifts, you know, of confidence again. And now, weren't you, know, you also... I started, like, you know, working, I started being employed by Evander Holyfield as a, uh, a spawn partner for him, and, you know, I had, like, you know, I had something to prove. I had, like, a, a little bit had a bit of a, a chip on my shoulder, but like you know, it wasn't like you know a chip on my shoulder where you know I was I was outwardly arrogant. Just like you know, just that when when I was playing with Evander, I don't care who you are, man. I am <laughs> am trying to cement my 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 space to cement like you know how how good I am. And yeah. So, so sparring with him, sparring with the real deal Holyfield brings you confidence up. You finally get back in the ring, yeah. and then you go on a run and yeah. a half. You banged out 11 straight wins. You take on Tommy Duke Morrison. I think in, in Netflix it called him the White Mike Tyson, and you shocked the boxing world. TKO in the first round. This is going to be cliche. Yeah. Did you, and I hate to ask this because I have so many athletes on, did you really think you had a shot no, to win no. that? Were you confident in that fight? No, no. Really? Of course not, man. Wow. Oh, come on, man. It's not that 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 you should, you know, you should know the answer to this. Like, you know, when you're going into that kind of fight, Tommy Morrison had signed to fight Lennox Lewis for eight point five million dollars. I was nothing but a tune-up, right? We prepared. Look, I prepared for anything, you know, because you never know. But like, you know, did I know that? The fight was going to end up the way it did, like, you know, ending like that? No. And that fight, like, essentially ended Tommy's run, you know, as a... Like an elite boxer, ender. right? Yeah, yeah, it did. It did. Let me tell you something, man. Like, you know, from, from time to time, like, you know, I go back and watch that fight, and I've, I've, said, this, I've said this before, but, like, you know, the look in Tommy's eyes after he gets knocked down for the first time, you know... I feel sorry to him. Like, you know, I feel sorry for him. I feel like, you know, a real sense of empathy because, like, you know, I know what he's going through. And I know what he's going to be facing or what he faced. You know, and there's and there's nothing. There's uh, Well, in my estimation, I never played football, baseball, basketball, golf on a professional level. Like you know, in my in my from my observation, from my experience, from my POB, there's nothing more humiliating in sports than getting knocked down the first round. Nothing more humiliating and impacting or impactful than than getting knocked down the first round, especially in your hometown. You said you were a tune up. Like you were a tune up fight. What were the gambling gambling odds? Do you know what the odds were or no? Oh, oh, oh! So, thanks for thanks for bringing that up, man. There was this uh, this uh, this uh, uh, legendary matchmaker in Las Vegas. Uh, his name was Herb Lembeck. Look him up okay. if you want to. L e m b e c k. Right? He posted the. <laughs> he, 
I'm not laughing at him, but you know, <laughs> maybe I am. <laughs> maybe I am a little bit. Herb Lembeck posted the Tommy Morrison uh, Michael Ben fight as an exhibition. No, come on. There were, no, 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 dude. There were no odds, man. The fight was posted and listed as an exhibition. I can't make it up. If you go back, like you know, to like you know, and you grab a uh, New York Times or a New York Post from like you know, nineteen ninety-three, October 29th, and 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 the odds it says exhibition. Oh my god! <laughs> there were no odds, B. That's crazy. I can't make it up, man. Hey, so no, I'm, I'm telling you. So, Mike, you win the belt, and now you're not in Vegas, you're not yeah. in the Mecca, you're not in New York City, you're not in L.A., but you're in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and it's not a hotbed of partying. Yeah. How do you celebrate when you finally win the title? You know what? I wouldn't have a party if I was, like, you know, if I had won in New York. And I wouldn't have a party because, like, you know, like, you know my relationship with Boston was, was, was very, like, you know, was very, uh, uh, it was strained. You know what I mean? Uh, the only reason why I turned pro with a manual so was like, was like you know, out of my father's house because I knew like you know at some point, you know like you know we we are two like you know very old and 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 like you know highly like passionate people, and like he had opposition to me from since from since when I first came into the world, and I grew to have opposition from him like you know since the way he like he treated me. Right, and I knew like at some point like there was gonna be a clash. Like you know, Emmanuel Stewart like you know offered me some money, and I took it because I knew that was a way out of that dungeon. Wow! But that wasn't. I didn't. I didn't answer your question, did I? No, no. I want to know how you party, Champ. I'll tell you this, Champ. What was your question again, Champ? I'm sorry. No, no. I was saying. I have so much to say, man. No, no. I like that because that means you're a good guest. If I win the championship, if I was a boxer, I'd run down the street naked with that belt on. So I want to know how you no, celebrated no, in Tulsa, dude, Oklahoma. No, 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 I, no, You're a bad no. man with the heavyweight boxing title. Yeah, but like you know, it, you know, when I won, that was that was like a, that was for me. You know, and I think like you know, after the fight, uh, I, I said something about my father post-fight uh, interview uh, with uh, Larry Merchant, man. To the effect of, look, man, uh, I love you. Maybe we'll talk. Maybe we won't. But like, you know, like you know, you know, wink, wink. Like, I got it. Mm-hmm. You, you know? did it. And like, I did it without your help. Exactly. Wow. You know, and you know, I survived without your help. You know, and uh, whether whether like you know, you think that I boxed because of I needed your love or not? No, 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 no. Understand? I did this myself. And I did this with like you know, with people who who didn't put that kind of pressure on me. And who loved, and who like, who uh, who genuinely respected me and cared for me. Like you know, I had a manager, Stan Hoffman. He he genuinely respected and cared for me. I had a like fantastic trainer, not a trainer. People train horses. I had a fantastic instructor, Eddie Mustafa Muhammad. This guy, I I love Eddie. This day, I had like you know a, a, a small circle of people like who believed in me, you know. When I won the championship, you know, I was I was expecting. You know, you're a baseball fan. Mm-hmm. When 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 Chris Chambers hit that home run in 1976 to uh, get the Yankees into the playoffs, no, into the World Series for the first time in 12 years, like like it was pandemonium in the stadium, right? Mm-hmm. 
I was expecting I was expecting the same feeling. Maybe not like you know in Tulsa because like you know that's not my hometown, but like you know I was expecting to feel like you know wow, I'm like you know, like I achieved something. But no, I didn't like you know. All I felt like I achieved was that all I felt was it more like just a relief, like you got the monkey off your back, like okay, I did it, or no? I redeemed myself. It was redeeming. Oh, from that first loss. You know because yeah. Yeah, because like you know, I didn't make the uh, 1988 Olympic team, and I was the I was the guy uh, that should have made that team. I lost to Ray Mercer, who eventually won the gold medal in '88. And uh, are you familiar with the uh, amateur boxing platform at all? Of course, I love amateur boxing. Okay, I'll share like an interest, interesting story with you, man. Like you know, one that we covered in the documentary, but like you know, they didn't uh, use it for the time purposes, but. When I lost to Ray Mercer in the 1984, I mean, 88 Olympic trials, he beat me in the finals. I think it was like a 3-2 decision, right? Mm-hmm. And the, uh, they have a committee that they select the most noteworthy opponent to face the uh, Olympic trials champion. So I was uh, selected as the most noteworthy opponent. We fought maybe two weeks later in San Francisco. And I had to beat Ray twice when a birth on the 88 team. And Ray had to beat me once. At the end of the last round for our first fight in San Francisco, Ray turns to me and says, well, Ben, I guess I got to see you tomorrow night, man. I'm like, you're goddamn right you do, bro. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the decision gets announced, and, and the winner... And the person representing you, the United States in the 1988 heavyweight uh, division, is Ray Mercer. Man, my heart like sunk, bro. Sunk. What's my point? So, in a sense, like you know, beating Tommy, like you know, was you know, in a sense, redemption for all those for all those um, um, scars that like you know I had amassed, you know, in boxing and out of boxing. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it does. I want to know why you didn't get that $8 million fight against Lennox Lewis. You both had British roots. Who the hell was your promoter? I could have got you that fight. The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the uh, promoter was someone you probably never heard of, man. Uh, Bob Aaron? You, I, you I, with him? His name might ring a bell. <laughs> Vaguely, right? No, no, no. I mean, look, man. Like, you know, the deal was that uh, I go to England and fight a, uh, a tune-up fight. You know, quote unquote homecoming fight, mm-hmm. and so like you know, you know, I agree to that. Not to like you know, I don't think I had much of a choice back then because like you know, I mean, as 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 a fighter, I never questioned anything. As a fighter, actually, I caused I caused more quote unquote havoc as an, an amateur. Well, not like you know, not havoc. Like you know, I wasn't I wasn't an asshole, but like you know, I would question things. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I remember at one point in 1987, Sugar Ray Leonard had came down to the 1987 Pan Am Games in Indianapolis, where we were like you know, I was on the USA team, like competing against the uh, Cubans and whatever. And Ray scouted this boxing team, and one of the uh, people that he scouted was. Myself, Roy Jones, and another amateur, uh, a top-flight amateur. And Ray assigned this uh, trainer to me, or, no, no, instructor to me, named Pappy Galt. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you're familiar with Pappy Galt. You know that name? I've heard Pappy of it. Galt? Sorry? I've heard of the name. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, Pappy was the, uh, <laughs> he was, he was, 
she was a character, man. <laughs> this guy was like, the little dude, no, 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 like, you know, he was a wonderful, like, he was a very insightful trainer, but like, you know, happy goats, and I'm not, once again, I'm not disparaging anybody. So, you know, don't take this next statement to be like, you know, disparaging. Mm-hmm. Happy Gold was as gay as a jury, as a jaybird man. Okay. Happy Gold was the uh, was like was like you know on the same level as Liberace dude. Very flamboyant, very out there. Yes. Okay. And, but but I I found him to be fascinating, man. Mm-hmm. I, mean, just, I mean, how could you? He was uh, he was uh, responsible for like you know for well he took responsibility for like George Foreman winning winning the uh, the gold medal in. 1968 Olympics in Japan. You know, he's like, you know, once again, he was a very insightful, <laughs> insightful, like, you know, observer of, uh, of boxing. <laughs> one time, my father, like, you know, drives up from Queens to visit us, you know, to see how I'm doing at this boxing camp in D.C. And, you know, my father had no idea, like, you know, that Pappy Gold was, like, gay. Okay. Like, like, plainly gay, right? And, like, you know, like, some Jamaicans, not all Jamaicans, well, some Jamaicans like you know are very like you know homophobic. Okay. Once again, not once again, not all Jamaicans. Mm-hmm. Some Jamaicans. <laughs> My father walks into this room like it's a legit man, and he sees like you know, happy, <laughs> like you know, hugging me and like you know, and tell me what to do. Like you know, man, you got you got he made you got a cat like this. Got like, and my father like look on his face like, huh, dude? Now if you know my father, my father. There's this, this big strapping, like, very old, like, you know, like, you know, like, man's man. The look on dude's face like, was like, yeah, yeah, I've seen a goddamn unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> dude, I'll, I'll never forget the look on my face when he saw, like, Pappy Gold hugging me, like, you know, and tell me, like, you know, well, you gotta do this, man. And I'm like, what, what, what? Well, okay, but, you know, that's just... That's my father and Pappy Gold. No, that's Pappy a great Gold, story. Man. You were actually at Herbie Hyde. You were a tune-up fight. You took the fight, and yes. that's where we were. Yes. Okay, so thank you for, for uh, reminding me about my massacre, my friend. No, no, no. You know, I, I only have one question about that fight, though. Your chops, man. It's no, all good. It's all good. I have one question about that fight. Obviously, you lose, unfortunately. Yeah. Do you ever look back and say, okay, if I would have won or – if I lost a close decision, whatever, because you almost lost your life, 96-hour coma, would you ever think like, okay, if I yeah. lost a decision or if I won, what could have happened later on in life with everything we know now about CTE and maybe brain damage? And all? Have you ever thought like, hey, it sucked, 96-hour coma, I, I beat death, your career's over, but you ever like, wow, I got a real chance at second life because of that? Oh, absolutely, man. Like, you know, when um, Netflix series premiered, like, you know, I got a, I got a text. I got a WhatsApp, a WhatsApp text from Herbie High saying, Michael, I'm so proud of you, bro. I'm saying, Herbie, like, dude, check this out. Thank you, because, like, you know, you're knocking me out. Uh-huh. You know, as um, unfortunate as it was, he gave me a gift. And, like, you know, and I recognize that. Me getting knocked out by Herbie High, like, you know, that was a gift. Because, you know, I, you know, the majority of damage that I've suffered as a boxer is minimal to the damage I suffered before I started boxing. You know, boxers like, you know, fight from like, you know, victimhood, like, you know, and, and deprivation, as I, as I said earlier, man, like, you know, my damage has come from like, you know, my family, not from boxing. I'm lucky. You know, I don't know, like, you know, I don't know how or why, like, you know, I don't have any damages or like 
obvious damages. But, 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 you know, we all have damages. You know, but uh, I'm just lucky to be here. But, like, you know, the majority of my stuff, like, you know, took place, you know, like, before I started boxing. And, like, you know, it just, like, you know, helped me become a better boxer. Like, you know, become, like, you know, a better fighter, I think. Part two of your life happens now. You're in Hollywood, film, acting. Yeah. You crushed it in Ali. How'd you get to play Sonny Liston? I'm curious Thank about you. that. Oh, boy, man. If I could tell you about that story, man, I'll, we'll be here for like five hours. You got five hours, man? <laughs> I got nothing else going on. Yankees aren't playing tonight. <laughs> no. Are you serious? They're not? No, no. They're, uh, they go to Arizona tomorrow, so no Yankee game tonight. Just some basketball okay. later. <laughs> okay, so we have time, though. We got time. I want to hear the Sonny Liston story. Yeah. I was, um... This is like, you know, this is like a layered story. I got hired by Burt Sugar to write for his magazine. His last magazine was called the Burt Sugar's Fight Game. And Burt hired me. I wrote a couple of pieces for the uh, New York Daily News, which was like, you know, sponsored by, um, or like, you know, Mike Katz, who was a great New York Daily News reporter back in the days, he put his stamp on me and said, like, you know, Mike, you know, I'll, I'll run your, I'll run, I'll run a piece if you write something. You can run it in, like, you know, in the paper. So he did it for me. And then Bert read something I had wrote in the uh, New York Daily News that was uh, ran by my cats. And I met Bert at this boxing press conference uh, years ago. And he said, hey, Michael, Ben, how you doing? I'm starting this new magazine, and you're writing for it. I said, really? He said, yes, you are. I said, great. <laughs> said, how much is it? He said, don't worry about the money. You're writing for it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, was, that was Bert, man. And uh, so I started writing, like, I did, like, you know, a few profile um, pieces for his magazine on um, Michael Grant and Evander Holyfield and Riddick Bowe. And then Bert calls me up one day and says, Michael, yes, Bert, you have to write a piece for me. I said, I know. I do that already. He said, no, 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 no. You have to write a piece for me that only you can write. Okay, okay. What's that? What it feels like emotionally and psychologically and otherly to get knocked out or knock somebody out. I'm like, oh, yeah, great, sure, Bert. I got it. Man, I did not want to write that piece. Because to do it to do it justice, I would have to, like, you know, look at something that I haven't looked at in maybe, like, a year and a half, two years. And that was my fight with uh, Freddie Hyde. I haven't seen, I haven't looked at the footage of the fight in, like, well, since the fight. But I knew that like, you know, I, well, I had this feeling that, like, you know, to do the piece, like, justice, I have to be, like, unapologetic, man. Like, you know, in my approach, like, watch the damn fight of me getting knocked out by Herbie High. Because if, if, if like, you know, if not, then uh, I don't want to do, like, you know, a fluff piece. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I want to, like, delve into, like, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the darkness of, like, you know, of how it feels. You don't seem like a guy who half who asks anything. So if you're going to do it, you're going all in. Exactly, but like you know, it, like you know, it it it, it, it was a process for me to like you know to come to that decision because like you know once again I was like I was like on the edge for like two weeks maybe about like you know writing this piece like you know and going deep into like you know the uh, depths of the depths of my thoughts about like you know getting knocked out, you know, and knocking somebody out like you know it's writing about knocking somebody out is easy writing about getting knocked out nah B. Mm-mm. Oh. That's not easy at all, man. And you have to watch the fight. So, oh yeah. Well, like you know, well, like you know, I thought you know that in order for me to like to uh, do it justice, I mean, I could have not watched the fight, like you know, and wrote the piece just on memory. Mm-hmm. But like you know, watching the fight gives me like pieces of like you know, wow, like how, like how I'm feeling, like 
like watching the fight and how I'm feeling, that's 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 stuff that I use in the piece. Like, you know, like you know, what I what I felt when I was what I felt as I was watching myself getting knocked out, that's stuff I that's the stuff I use. That's the stuff I, I express in the piece. And it was like, you know, and I was like, you know what? I always had this mantra. When I first started writing, I was living in Pennsylvania and I was going back to school. I was uh I put myself uh, back in school uh, at this University. I mean, no, it was a uh, community college, Northampton Community College, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And you know, from time to time, you know, I had I had no computer, but from time to time, I would sneak in. <laughs> I should say this. <laughs> I would sneak into the school, right, <laughs> into their, you know, into their uh, computer room and like write articles about boxing, right? Okay. And uh, when I moved to Queens, like you know, so like you know, I was at a room and I had like you know. Well, computer then, but like you know, initially I had a, I had no computer at all. But to, when I was writing the piece of Bird Sugars magazine, I um, I had like a a room in the living room, and I had like you know a, a VCR. So I, I snatched the tape. Well, not no, I didn't snatch the tape. My hands were trembling actually. When I reached in for the tape, like you know, my hands were trembling, man. Mm-hmm. And I put the tape in, in the VCR, and I watched the fight with me and her behind. Because you know, it, you know, I, you have to get like you know. Uh, a taste for the darkness. Even if you like, you know, think that you're familiar with it, you gotta, you have to have a, like, you know, uh, a more profound taste for it, man. And nothing does that in like sight. And uh, so I'm watching this piece, and when I get knocked down, and the fight is stopped. You know what kind of, you know what I felt? What? I felt liberated. Like holy shit! Wow. Wow, man. I survived that. I survived it. And now, and now. Someone's asking me, Bert Sugar is asking me to write about it? Okay, <laughs> I got work to do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was, no, 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 but, but I'm, I'm serious, man. Like, I'm like, holy God. I was, I was so terrified of, like, you know, writing the piece. Okay. Like, you know, I was, like, I was avoiding it for, like, you know, a couple of weeks, you know. And Bert, like, you know, at one point, uh, I was invited to this, uh, this boxing match and had no idea that Bert was going to be there. And Bert is standing up, is standing like, you know, in the back row, and he's <laughs> this, this little short white guy <laughs> standing next to him, right? <laughs> this little short white guy, like, you know, turns to me, right? And Bird didn't even acknowledge me. If he did, it was like, you know, a little, like half acknowledgement. But, you know, he was like, you know, kind of annoyed at me, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I think. And this little white guy, man, turns to me, little, little old cat. He was like, maybe like, 75, 76, man, pushing 80, and he says to me, Michael, right, 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 right to step in peace. <laughs> he stuttered. He, he stuttered, right? And you know what that guy turned out to be? Who? Bud Schulberg. Come on. He's me with um, On the Waterfront. Yes, a whole, come on, really? No, dude, no, I, I can't wow. make this up, bro. It, it, was, it was Bud Schulberg, bro. Yes. The 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 the, uh, the, uh, the the Academy Award winning writer of On the Waterfront with Marlon Brando, of course, by Ilya Kazan. Yeah, yeah. He like you know he didn't get my like you know I mean he said it with love, but like you know it was like hey man, stop effing around and write the goddamn piece. Whoa. I I left I left. Hopped on the train, went back to Queens, like, you know, locked myself in my little sister's room and jumped on her computer. No, no, I did. And jumped on her computer, man, like, you know, and banged out the piece. I was in that room for, like, like maybe, like, uh, not 24 hours. I was, I was in that room for, like, maybe, like, 48 hours straight, 
only went up like uh, only like you know left room to like you know go to the bathroom and like maybe like you know go to the bathroom. That's it. <laughs> and I banged the piece out, man, and I got a call from Bert maybe uh, maybe a month or two later after the uh, piece was uh, published in the magazine. He said, Michael, <laughs> what's up, Bert? Guess <laughs> <laughs> what? I said, what? I think we're up for an award. I'm like, no, come on. He said, no, yeah, no, no, no shit. I'm like, really? Whoa. For what? Your piece, meathead. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, wow. I mean, like, you know, we never won the award. We never won, like, uh, an award for the piece, but, like, you know, I mean, the piece, like, you know, the, 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 if, if I don't like that piece, mm-hmm. this conversation isn't taking place. You know why? Because that piece was read by a director in L.A., Hollywood, uh, Ron Shelton. As a matter of fact, Ron was in the documentary. Okay. So it comes Ron full circle. Ron was like, you know, and this kind of documentary, man. And Ron Shelton, like, you know, is, is like, you know, one of the, like, you know, like, iconic directors, like, you know, in, in modern Hollywood history, bro. And Ron was a big boxing fan. He read the piece. In Burst uh, Magazine back in 1990, well, no, 90, 92, 90, yeah, yeah, 92, and he called me at my mother's house and said, like, you know, Michael, if, if, if you can act like you can write, come out to L.A., and I will arrange you to, like, you know, get an audition for uh, the R.L.E. Pride. Like, huh? And I had started acting when I went back to community college. I was, like, you know, taking acting classes. I went back to college because, like, you know, I wanted to get a broader... I was doing commentary overseas after my retirement, after my retirement from boxing. I was doing, like, training, uh, instructing boxers and, like, commentary overseas. And I wanted to get a, a broader understanding of, of uh, TV production. So, like, you know, there was a great community college that I lived near um, in, uh, in Pennsylvania. And I said, you know what, let me just, like, you know, augment my skills. And, like, you know, I want to, you know, at some point, I want to produce, you know, documentaries or whatever, you know. And so I put myself, like, you know, through this program. And, and uh, the rest of like, you know, was like, man, wow. I, I knew that, I, like, you know, and as an act, as a, uh, not as an acting class, um, as a, uh, what do they call those uh, classes, man? As a, uh, uh, you know, you have your major and you have your, uh, uh, like elective or uh thank you there we go yeah so okay. like you know as an elective i took an acting class you know in the school of the college man and whoo boy i just fell in love with it instantly man i'm like wait a minute so so i can i can say this to this person <laughs> and you know no it was it blew my mind it blew my mind i'm like whoa man and like you know the first scene i ever did was from a Ernest Hemingway's Hills Like White Elephant. And I did a scene with a Swedish exchange, exchange student. When I did the scene, the, uh, our professor, uh, his name was uh, Professor Norman Roberts, and he gave me a look like, wow, okay. This, 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 guy, this guy knows how to tell the truth. And like, you know, I mean, I, I'm a boxer. Like, you know, I was a boxer. And, like, you know, boxers know how to be honest, even when they freaking lie. Because <laughs> most of us are great. Most boxers are great liars. Hey, question no, with no, – no. you, you mentioned the lying thing. I want to ask you, was it intimidating yeah. being in the ring with Will Smith? Not because of fighting, you'd knock him out, but because of, like, such a Hollywood icon? 
You know what? That's a very good question, man. My answer is no, because when I got to, when I got on set, you know, when uh, we spent like maybe like five or six months training Will, you know, I was Michael Mann like assigned me as Will's assistant trainer. Michael Mann put that stamp on me. I'm like, God damn, dude. <laughs> I was like, whoa, thank you. I'm mean, like, you know, like, you know, like, you know, I knew I was worthy of it. I was really serious, like you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, when I'm like, you know, ready to go to work, it's like, you know, let's, let's like, you know, I'm not playing around. It's like, you know, I mean, I mean, if it's light, let's keep it light. But like, you know, if we're, if we're doing like, you know, heavy seas, man, dude, like, you know, let's, let's dive into it like head first. Mm-hmm. So I was serious about the work, and Michael, like, you know, uh, maybe saw that and you know, said like, you know, let's, let's give this guy like, you know, some responsibility. So I was Will's assistant trainer like six months, five months, and I played opposite to him as Frank Liston. And to answer your question, like, you know, the feeling that I got when we were on set was, hey, Mike, yo, check this out. You belong here, man. That's the feeling that I got. I'm sure, like, you know, I was pleased when other people said, like, you know, Mike, yo, that's, that's, uh, man, man, I believed you in the scene, like, you know, that's nice, but like, you know, if you can, if you can like, you know, validate yourself uh-huh. in that environment and like, you know, come from an honest place and like, you know, not be like, you know, superficial and like, you know, like, you know, I'm the best. I'm not, I'm not the best. Like, you know, I know that I belong here. I know that like, I know that there, there was no other actor in like, you know, in Hollywood who could have played playing listen like I played playing listen. Do you find it ironic? Yeah, do you find it ironic that your pops was obsessed with Ali? Now you're in the definitive Muhammad Ali movie. That's like a complete circle, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is. It is. But like, you know, I didn't really um I didn't really delve into that like, you know, but like, you know, we like it on me. Will was beautiful, man. He and I just connected up. I haven't seen Will in like maybe like 15 years. And uh, he was uh, shooting um, Bad Boys 3 down here in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. This is where I'm staying now. And met um, one of his crew members uh, at a restaurant in downtown Atlanta. He said, Mike, like, you know, come down to the set, like, you know, and, like, you know, and, and like, you know, say what's up to Will. So I get on set, man, and this dude, Mike, this <laughs> Will, like, you know, man, he, whew, boy, this guy is so beautiful, bro. Let me tell you something. He, like, like embraced me, man, and said, "Dude, what, what, what your, what you did with that Netflix thing, it was, it was like, uh, it was like Jesus being crucified on the cross." I'm like, I'm like, whoa, <laughs> like holy shit! Wow. I mean, can I curse? Yeah, of course. Is that, is that cool? Yeah, man. Oh, okay, okay. No, but like, you know, I mean, like, you know, I'm, you know. For a guy of that stature to put that on me, I'm like, whoa. And you know, no, I mean, that's, I just, I just like, you know, I mean, I got kind of teary, man. Because yeah. like, you know, we're like, you know, I mean, he's a beautiful cat, like he's funny, but he, like, you know, he's 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 a serious, serious intellect, man. Like, you know, for him to give you that or give me that, I'm like, man, wow, that's that's I'm like, you know, you know, he, he like he, he saw me. You know, he saw me and, like, you know, and all the stuff, like, and I mean, we'd have, like, you know, little, like, you know, moments in the past where, like, you know, like, you know, like, you know, he finally, he finally saw me, man, like, you know, and for, like, another man, forget about him being Will Smith, mm-hmm. for another man to, like, you know, give me that, 
man, come on, bro. I'm, 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 I'm like, I'm getting goosebumps now, bro. Dude, that's a really yeah, deep. Men, that's a deep story, man. Because of that. That's fucking deep, man. Oh, dude, no, man. Like, you know, <sighs> it was, it was, it was beyond beautiful, man. Because like men. We don't give other men those mm-hmm. those kinds of of, of 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 accolades or not even accolades, but like you know, we don't give other men those kinds of affirmations, man. You know, and we need that from other men, not just women. I just want, I just our mother or our father. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, we we need that so we can like you know teach our our sons or daughters like you know how to how to be like you know open and and and, and receptive. Couple more things, Mike. You, no. yeah, you write, no. you act, you train. Was all that creativity? I don't want to say suppressed, but was it put on the back burner, not just to make your father happy, but because of boxing? Because it seems like you're a great actor, you're a great storyteller, you're a great writer, and you're a great boxer. Was boxing put up front and all this creative energy and stuff put put on the back burner? No, I I think like you know that throughout all those you know. Um, Dark moments and um, moments of indecision and 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 moments of uh, intense preparation, man. Like you know, all those pieces were set in place. Like you know, so you and I would have this conversation with this guy right now. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it, ma- it makes a lot of sense. Okay. You know, like you know, my 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 my, my like you know my uh, my uh, outlook on things, man. Like you know, it's 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 very vet. You know what I'm saying? You know, well, I think it is. You, know, <laughs> you hope it like, is. You know, <laughs> basically, yeah. <laughs> you know, like you know, if yeah, you know, if the thing, if if the pull of my father's like resentment against me isn't what it is, I don't think we're having this conversation. Like you know, or or if we are having this conversation, and having a conversation with a different guy. You know what I mean? If my mother, like you know, ever did what she did, like you know, you're having a conversation with with like you know a different guy. You know, if like, you know, if I uh, never like, you know, uh, started boxing after my father beat me with the antenna, you know, at the age of 10, if I never started boxing to pay homage to my friend who died in an airplane crash uh, while he was competing, or he was going to compete against the Polish uh, national team in 1980, you know, I'm talking to the same guy right now. You know, so all those, like, little things, like, you know, impact me uh, as a child. Like, you know, they, they uh, I mean, they're still in me, but, like, you know, I, I'm just I'm just uh, expressing them differently, maybe. I don't know. And I've always written. And I remember, like, you know, when I used to, like, you know, like, cut school and come home and no one was home. And I would, like, you know, open the door and go up to my room. And I was, I was like, always reading and, you know, Reading Stephen King or like the autobiography. Uh, one of the first books I ever read was uh, was uh, the autobiography of Nat Turner, Nat Turner and T uh, and Stephen King's Cujo. Years later, I read like uh, William Peter Blatty's uh, The Exorcist and shit, which scared the shit out of me, dude. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you've ever read The Exorcist. Of, Have you ever read that? I'm an obsessive reader. I never saw the movie. The book will scare the shit out of you, man. Oh, dude. The movie is just the uh, the movie is one of the rare times that it does the book justice. Mm-hmm. I mean, the book is like, whoo boy, wow, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember, I remember when I was like maybe like nine years old. Okay, it was New, it was New Year's night. 
right? And my brother was like uh, six uh, six years older than me. So he's out like, you know, partying, blah, blah, blah. And I'm reading The Exorcist. Never forget this nonsense, man. And he and he goes in the basement and he, he like, like kills the light. He kills the uh, electricity. Dude, I nearly pissed my pants, man. Because I thought, like, you know, that, like, uh-oh. <laughs> what, what, what's happening? No one's home. Yeah, this shit's real now. It's, it's a blackout? I'm sorry? I said, this shit just got real super quick. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And he, and he like, you know, and he speaks up, up the stairs, like, really quiet and blah, blah. I'm like, man, what you want to do? Like, if I had a gun? Well, like, you know, thank God I didn't have a gun, but, like, you know, dude, yeah. That was a level of- no, dude, I'm cracking. I'm cracking up just picturing no, the future. Yeah, yeah. You have an older brother? I do. I do. I'm, I would do the same fucking thing. That's why. <laughs> dude, man, I mean, that was man. I damn near pissed my. You know, I think I was not. I went well. I, I think I may have pissed my pants, man. <laughs> I, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, if it, if I did, it was justified, right? Oh no, no, I, I'll let it slide. I'll let it slide, Mike. All right, yeah, <laughs> Mike, we're, we're gonna wrap this up with five quick questions. You ready? You got it. Best Hollywood boxer out there right now. Best Hollywood boxer, like boxer and actor. Yeah, what, what, what? Boxer? Yeah, what Hollywood actor would make the best boxer? Ooh, well, I'm gonna say the uh, the uh, the young brother from Philadelphia who was in the show. Is it from Jersey in the Rocky movies? Oh, uh, Carter, is it? Um, his name, man. Uh, he was in the uh, the Black Panther. Oh, Mike, is it? Uh, is it Jordan? Is it Michael B. Jordan? That's right. Okay, yes. yeah, that, yes. that's I mean, a like, good answer. Yeah. He's got some skills. Yeah, he does. Okay, good answer. What? Once again, yes. Once again, like you know, Mickey Rourke, you know, he got some skills because like he's like he he's got hit. I don't know how well Michael B. Jordan takes a hit. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he looks good on the screen. <laughs> we don't know if he can really take exactly. a hit. <laughs> exactly. Mickey Rock is real. Mm-hmm. How about this? You coolest know, piece like, yeah. co- coolest piece of memorabilia that you have from your fighting days. Uh wow. Coolest piece. The coolest piece or the most uh, sentimental piece. How about give me both? Okay. The coolest piece is probably like, you know, my uh my uh 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 WBO uh, belt uh, that I have tucked away in the corner somewhere. Okay. Somewhere. Um, the most sentimental piece? Wow. Oh, I got it. The most sentimental piece is a letter I got from the New York State Athletic Commission uh, that was signed by Dr. Barry Jordan uh, saying um, in no uncertain um, um, effect or manner that I am not to box anymore ever. Wow. I always like, you know, yeah, yeah. I always like, you know, refer to that uh, uh, from time to time to, um, as a way to say, like, do like, I mean, look what you survived. Yeah. Did you keep. You know what I mean? Um, sorry? Did you keep anything from the set of Ali? Maybe the robe, the Sunny Listen boots, or anything like that? Of course I kept the robe. My man, man. thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, like, you know, we'll see, like, now I may get in trouble with the people that's forward past production, which is Michael Mann's, like, you know, uh, production company. But, like, you know, uh, let's, not, let's not talk about that. <laughs> How about this? You, you, I got one. You and I are at a bar. I access to every single person yeah. on my show. You and I are at a bar. You want to impress people mm. at the bar. Who's the coolest person in your phone that if you texted them, they would text you right back? 
Okay. Okay. Are you familiar with Anna Devere Smith? No, but I'm going to look up right now. Hold on. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes, I do. Okay. That's a, that's a very good answer. Okay. Yep. Anna Devere Smith and. <laughs> oh, boy. You're funny, man. And wait a minute. Wait a minute. And. And let me, let me. I'm searching my phone now for important people. <laughs> No, no lying, no lying. You lie to women and children, okay, never okay. to your boys, no yeah. Oh, oh, okay. And the Smith, and okay, I'm, now I'm name dropping here, bro. <laughs> you ready for this? I am, I am. And the Smith and Terrence Blanchard. How about that's the heavyweight? That, no, that's a, he- that's a heavy answer. That's a heavy, heavy answer. That's a good job by you. I'm always impressed with that. That's a good job by you. Are you familiar with Terrence Blanchard? I, of course I am, and that's a great answer by you. No shit. That's a great answer. I'm very impressed with that answer. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> that, I always I always judge people by their answers. <laughs> hey, you're you're a Yankee. Yeah. You're a Yankees fan. You have London roots. Will yep. you be going to London for the Yankees Red Sox series in July? You bullshit. Are you serious? Yeah, man. They announced it. They Yankees Red Sox in London in July. Serious? You need to get there. I had no idea, man. As a matter of fact, I am in uh, talks with uh, a company in London to do some business in London. So hopefully, like you know, we can make that. Uh, the, 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 we can like you know, expedite like you know our business thing and make that happen. And wow, I had no idea. Wow, man! I'll tell you right now. I just looked June 29th and June 30th. I'll be there. If you're there, we can grab a drink together you're out going? there. Of course I'm going. Yankees, Red Sox in London, that's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. <laughs> wow. wow. I'm impressed, man. Now, listen, listen. Okay. <laughs> I got to put like, I got to like, you know, write that down. Yeah, I'll text it to you. I here's, have no idea. Here's our one last thing. Thank you. When you get to New York yeah. City, we're going we're gonna to get some good Jamaican food, and I'll tell you, um, you're a Jamaican dude, so Rohan Marley comes on my show a lot. He comes on and kicks it all the time. The three of us will we'll, we'll get Are some. You serious, of course, man? of course, guy. We can get some Jamaican food and we'll have a good podcast. Sound good? Listen, let me just share one thing with you, real quick. Yeah, of course, I've always. Great, great, great. I met. I, I ran into Rohan uh, at. Um, wow, man! Holy shit! I ran into Rohan at the album release at the album release um, party for Heavy D's last. His last project, uh, it was called Vise. Heavy was Jamaican, mm-hmm. and he did he did this like you know uh, Jamaican CD like with all uh, of the songs uh, being like you know in patois and Jamaican music. Heavy was a, a dear friend of mine, like a like great great friend of mine, man. And I met him on the set of Ali, and we just like you know connected. And I trained him for years, man. And like you know, he passed away in 2011. And you met Rohan at his party? Yeah, yeah. I met, like, you know, Rohan at, uh, at Heavy's uh, album release party. And Rohan and I, like, have a mutual friend. This guy's name is uh, a mutual friend. is named uh, Neville Garrick. 
Neville Garrick uh, used to be uh, uh, Bob Marley's art director. Really? How? How? And, what uh, a small world yeah. that is. You know? Do you know um, um, Neville Garrick? I do not. No, I don't know him. Okay. I, I said just okay. small world that like Rohan comes on my show. I just threw his name out there because he's like the one Jamaican dude I know that we eat together. And now, <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I know a common link. But dude, I'm telling you, Mike, yeah, man. Mike, when you get to New York, we're going to do this. I'm serious. My man, I'm, I'm, I'm there. I just, I just left New York. Yeah, you left without doing my like, show. Like, I know. Exactly. <laughs> no, I would love to like you know. We're gonna link up, man. Let's uh, let's uh, exchange numbers. Without a doubt. Right? And I'll plug you in, and like you know, I can add you to a uh, Aaron Devere Smith and Terrence Blanchard. So, look, I was gonna say I'm gonna be the coolest person in your phone. <laughs> hey, my man. Look, I'm always looking to uh, hang out with cool people, man. You know what I'm saying like you know, no matter what you got, like no matter what you do. You know, I mean, just just be cool, like you know, make me laugh and shit, like you know, and be smart. I love to be around smart people and people who make me laugh. Dude, this was an absolute blast. I can't wait to keep in touch with you and link up, champ. I can't thank you enough. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you, man. Mike, just appreciate you, my friend. Just do me one favor, because I put this in the beginning of the podcast. Just introduce yourself, former yeah. heavyweight champion, current actor, whatever you want to say, and you're listening to the Mike Sappho podcast. Mike Staffo. Yes, S-A-F-O. Mike, so just okay. introduce yourself, and you're listening to the Mike Staffo Podcast. Uh, hello, guys. My name is Michael Bent. I am the former WBO heavyweight champion, former five-time national champion, former four-time New York City Golden Gloves champion, actor, uh, well-known for, uh, well, known best for playing opposite Will Smith on in Ali, working with Michael Mann five-time, directing the... Uh, uh, critically acclaimed off-Broadway play Kid Shamrock, and uh, I am great friends with Mike Staffel, your host. So give him lots of love and tune in, and thank you for having me on, Mike. Champ, you're the greatest. I'll talk to you soon, my friend. Fantastic, man. See you All later, right? my friend. All right, my peace, bro. Be good, brother.